you would remain standing and uh, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. And as you turn there, I'd like you to just stick your finger in there and save it. And then turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 28. So 1 Peter 1 and Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 28 first. Very, very famous passage. I didn't want Easter to go by without reading the story of the resurrection, why we celebrate this day. So Matthew 28, we'll be reading verses 1 through 10. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and with great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them. Jesus met them and said, Greetings. They came up, took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ stands forever. You may be seated. Please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, on this day of great joy, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be pleasing and honoring in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen. So this story that I just read these verses in, in Matthew, these very famous verses, um, happened roughly 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years. It's hard for us to understand that, that stretch of time, that amount of time that has gone by. Um, and we often can ask ourselves the question, well, what effect on my life today? is something that happened 2,000 years ago. What effect does the resurrection have on me 2,000 years after it happened? In the schooling that Elliot is going through right now, uh, it's called Classical Conversations, 
And as part of his curriculum, he learns a, a timeline of history. And it's set to song. It's very catchy. It's really well done. Um, it lasts usually about 13 to 14 minutes. We listen to it in the car and uh, just go through from creation and the fall, uh, the flood and the Tower of Babel, to the, the history of Israel, uh, the history of these empires that you see rising and falling. Uh, one of his favorites is Genghis Khan ruled the Mongols. For some reason, they like that one. Um, it goes to, to the birth of Christ and a crescendo at uh, Jesus, the, Jesus the Messiah. And then it goes through the, the time from his birth uh, up until the present day, uh, featuring things like you know, World War II, uh, the Korean War, Vietnam, uh, the ending of apartheid, uh, communism falling. Um, but uh, when I was with him uh, a couple of weeks ago on a Thursday, he was learning the last bit of the timeline. And that was uh, the event of, of 9-11 and also this rising tide of freedom, kind of this Arab Spring that, that has been happening. Um, obviously, they can't do every event in the timeline. That would take, uh, I don't know, 2,000 years maybe to do that. But um, So they hit the major ones. And uh, I was talking with some of the other parents there, and um, they were talking about the fact that the kids, um, you know, don't have any concept for these things. You know, they'll, they'll learn things about World War II, but they don't understand the fact of the atrocities of war and that, you know, the millions of Jews, Jews that lost their life uh, in World War II. And we don't either because um, we weren't there. We didn't experience it. But when we get to the part where we sing about 9-11 and what happened there, it, it hits us emotionally because I remember where I was when that happened. I was in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I had just gotten done with a Greek class. I was walking to chapel, and the, the campus was just abuzz with, with what had happened. Um, we remember that. Uh, it affects us emotionally because we remember what happened. We experienced it. Um, how does something that happened 2,000 years ago that we are, in a sense, um, detached from, um, haven't experienced it, how does it affect us today? And that's why we're going to turn to 1 Peter. Because of the resurrection, we have gone from hopelessness, hopelessness to a living hope. And because of this living hope, we have this joy, this inexpressible and glorious joy through our faith in Jesus Christ. So if you would, please uh, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 3 through 9. Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, 
more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I love those verses in Scripture because they are so encouraging and fill us with hope and with joy. So how does the events of the resurrection affect us today, 2,000 years later? Well, it affects us in our present and it affects us for our future. Let's start with our future. If Christ was not raised from the dead, we would have no hope for the future. If Christ was still dead, we would be filled with hopelessness. Because when we would die, that would be the end. My sister Patty, just this past week, uh, she lives in Germany. And um, being in Germany, she's away from her close family. Um, I grew up with three older sisters, my sister Patty being one of them. And we've all kind of scattered. I live here in Arkansas. My parents are still in the Chicago area. I have one in central Illinois and one uh, near the Outer Banks in North Carolina. And so we've, we've scattered. And so we don't get to see each other all that often. And my sister Patty, she's in a, a different country. She's on a different continent. Uh, she has learned a new language, speaking German there. And um, there are uh, a few people that she has become close to uh, as family there. And one of them is uh, her husband's aunt. His, her name is, is Tanta Truda. I can't say it with the, the German accent, roll my R like I should, but uh, Tanta meaning aunt, uh, Tanta Truda is her name. And uh, just this past week, uh, very peacefully, very quietly and in her sleep, uh, Tanta Truda, uh, she passed away into glory. And she is now with Jesus. For my sister and for Tanta Truda, there is hope because of the resurrection. Without the resurrection, what hope would we have? 1 Corinthians 15 verses 51 and following says this, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? And O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ.
Christ. Because of his resurrection, we have a living hope for the future. We have this inheritance that Peter describes for us that is awaiting us in the future because Christ is now sitting at the right hand of our God and Father in heaven. See, Colossians 3 verse 1 says, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And that famous passage in Philippians 2, where it talks about the the humility of Christ that he gave himself up so that he might be exalted. And therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Because we are united to Christ in faith, we are united to Him in His resurrection. And where He is, is where we will be. What is His will be ours. We share in His inheritance. And this is an inheritance that is imperishable, that is undefiled, It is unfading. As the NIV says, it will never perish, spoil, or fade. God is keeping it for us in heaven. Because of the resurrection of Christ, we have a true and a living hope in this. I know I'm going to offend a couple of people in the congregation by this, but bear with me, Ken and Sharon you'll understand where I'm going with this. It's not the hope that Cubs fans have. (laughs) Because I, as a Cubs fan too, say, you know, we always approach the season by saying, I hope the Cubs win the World Series this year. And that's, that's a strong desire that Cubs fans have. And that's a good thing. And I hope it does happen. I have that strong desire. I would love to see the city of Chicago celebrate a Cubs World Series. But we don't know when that will happen. It's been a long time. It has been over 100 years. (laughs) But we continue to hope and we strongly desire for that. The hope that we have in Christ is something that is secure. It is something that we know and are confident will happen. We have a strong desire for it and we know that it will be the case. So Ken and Sharon, I hope you're not offended by that. (laughs) Thank you. And the reason that we know this is secure is because Christ was the first fruits. He has been raised from the dead by his Father in heaven. And we know that we will be raised as well. Because Jesus is alive, our future is secure. We know for certain that because Christ has been raised from the dead, Through faith, we also will be raised on that last day and will be ushered into the eternal kingdom. And because of this, we rejoice. We praise God for the mercy that he has for us. Because as Peter says here, it is according to God's great mercy. And this is the gospel. It is not that what we have done 
It's that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That while we were sinners, Christ was raised from the dead. This is all God's mercy. Now, our future may be secure, but what about our present reality? There's this glorious and inexpressible joy that Peter talks about here. He says that we rejoice. But let's be honest, our present circumstances don't always elicit rejoicing from us. Our present is full of trials and of sufferings, of heartache, of pain and frustrations. Peter understands the difficulty of rejoicing because he in his life suffered through trials and persecutions as well. Peter gets it because his life was hard. Granted, he was able to share three years of his life with our Savior. And I can't imagine what those three years would like. I'm sure it was just an incredible experience. But after that, Peter suffered many persecutions, imprisonment. In fact, he was even crucified himself upside down. He gave his life up for the gospel. His present reality was difficult. You know, on a Sunday morning, and especially on Easter morning, it's easy for us to put a smile on our face. Uh, when we're here at church, we put on our, our new Easter clothes and we, we have the, this sense of, of happiness and of joy. But life is plagued by trials and by sufferings. But in the midst of these trials, we have a reason for joy. An inexpressible and a glorious joy. We even have reason to rejoice because of our trials. You know, we all experience these trials in our life. And I don't need to go into detail this morning about the trials that we experience. We know our struggles, whether it's disease whether it's struggles with family, children, spouses, jobs, uh, bullying at school, loneliness, struggles in classes, not fitting in, uh, eating disorders, disabilities, financial struggles, psychological, physical, emotional. You know, this list could go on forever. The things that we struggle through in this life. But here is how the resurrection affects our struggles and our trials. Christ's resurrection means that He is with us, that He is present in the midst of our trials. He is not dead. He is alive. If you consider other religions, who they're, they're prophets who have lived long ago, they are dead. So they look back and think, what would so-and-so say? Or what has they have they said? Uh, what have they written? But we serve a Savior who is different. He is not dead. We don't look back. Instead, He is with us here in the present. Today, He is with us in our trials. He has not left us alone. It's kind of like 
the situation in The Lion King. For you kids here. You know the story of The Lion King. There is uh, a lion who is the main character, Simba. He is young. Uh, He goes through this terrible tragedy in his life where he feels like he is responsible for the death of his father, the great uh, lion Mufasa. Because Mufasa tries to save his young son in the midst of a stampede. And after this, Simba loses all direction in his life. He doesn't know which way is up, which way is down. He runs away from home and he tries to figure out life. And so he kind of lives this this carefree life with a few friends for a while until things get bad at his homeland uh, near Pride Rock. And one of his boyhood friends, Nala, comes. She is hunting, she's trying to find food, and she comes upon Simba, thinking that he has been dead for years, but realizing that he is alive. So Simba realizes that he needs to go back home. He needs to set things right uh, at home near Pride Rock. But he has no idea what to do or how to do that. And as he is trying to figure this out, he sees a vision of his father among the stars. He looks up and the stars arrange in such that it's the image of his father. And his father speaks to him and he encourages him. But then the stars fade. And Mufasa is gone. And Simba yells after him. He yells, Dad, don't leave me. But he's gone. His father is still dead. And Simba is left to journey on on his own. This is not the experience that we have with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We don't just see a vision of him and then he is gone. He is with us every step of the way. He is with us in the present because he is not dead. No, he is alive. And because of this, we are never alone. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He is with us. And not only is He with us in our trials, but because of the resurrection, our trials are actually a blessing from God. You see, one of the biggest enemies that I have in my life is myself. In my trials, I am forced to surrender myself to Christ and to rely on Him. You know, when things are going great, it's usually my pride that starts to step in. And I feel like life is great because Mike is great. Things are going well because of the things that I am accomplishing and how great I am. But then God allows me to go through trials and sufferings. And once again, my face turns to my Lord and Savior, and I need to surrender myself in humble reliance to Him. You see, if God were just to let me go, I would let myself go. I may even destroy myself. But God doesn't let us just go. No, in these trials and these sufferings that we go through... They are achieving for us an eternal glory that will far outweigh them all. 
these sufferings and these trials are actually God's blessings in our lives. There's a great song um, by Laura Story that's called, appropriately, it's called Blessings. And I'm going to read you a couple of, uh, of verses from her song. She says, We pray for blessings and we pray for peace, comfort for family and protection while we sleep. We pray for healing for prosperity. We pray your mighty hand to ease our suffering. And all the while you hear each spoken word, yet love us way too much to give us lesser things. Because what if your blessings what if your blessings come through raindrops? And what if your healing comes through tears? And what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know that you're near? And what if trials of this life are your mercy in disguise? What if my greatest disappointment or the aching of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst that this world can't satisfy? And what if the trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest nights, are your mercies in disguise? Because of the resurrection, God is using these trials in our lives to keep us genuine, to keep our faith genuine. And through keeping our faith genuine, through the crucible of trial, God is securing the outcome of our faith, the salvation of our souls, which He has accomplished through Christ's death and through His resurrection. Through these trials, even though they hurt, we have a reason to rejoice because we know that God is keeping us close to Him. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a glorious and an inexpressible joy through the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, in His great mercy, has given us a living hope, not only for the future, but also to be experienced in the present. Because of His resurrection, we do not live as people who have no hope. Instead, we have a living hope in a secure future that has been accomplished by our God through His mercy to us through Christ and is being kept for us by God in His great mercy. Let us pray. Our most gracious God and our Father in heaven, what even can we say to you the mercy and the love that You have shown to us through Your Son's life, through His death, and now through His resurrection. The fact that we serve a Savior who is not dead, but a Savior who is alive. That He has risen, He has risen indeed. That through our present trials and our sufferings, we know that You are with us. That You are by our side. That by the power of Your Holy Spirit, You are always present with us 
We are never alone. We look forward to this future hope that we have. This hope that is secure because you are keeping it secure. That it is unfading. That it will never perish, spoil, or fade. This great inheritance that you have for us. Your Son, Jesus Christ. Yes, we get to experience the joys of heaven. Of no more pain and no more sorrow, no more tears, no more suffering, and no more death. But Lord, even greater, we get to experience You. Your full and complete presence. Because of Christ's resurrection, we know that we also will be resurrected. That we don't have to fear the things of this life. We do not even have to fear death. Because you have been raised, we know that through faith, we also will be raised. Oh, and we look forward to that day, Lord Jesus. And we pray, come, Lord Jesus, come. And it's in our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. As we conclude this morning, I would like you to take your hymnals and turn to the, the beginning, the, the opening page, the, the front cover. We're going to close this morning with one of the, this favorite hymn of ours, uh, Because He Lives. Because Christ lives, we can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because we know who holds the future. And life is worth the living just because He lives. Let's stand and sing.